Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, and welcome to Feminist Reads from the Maricopa County Library District. I'm Ashley, a teen librarian for the district, and today I'll be going over some teen feminist reads. The first is Moxie. Moxie girls fight back. Vivian Carter is fed up. Fed up with her small town Texas high school that thinks the football team can do no wrong. Fed up with sexist dress codes and hallway harassment. But most of all, Viv is fed up with always following the rules. Viv's mom was a punk rock rock riot girl in the 90s. So now Viv takes a page from her mother's past and creates a feminist theme that she distributes anonymously to her classmates. She's just blowing off steam. But other girls respond. Pretty soon, Viv is forging friendships with other young women across the divides of clicks and popularity rankings, and she realizes that what she has started is nothing short of a girl revolution. This was also made into a movie that is on Netflix. Rules for being a girl. It starts before you can even remember. You learn the rules for being a girl. Martin has always been good at navigating these unspoken guidelines. A star student and editor of a school paper, she dreams of getting into Brown University. Marin's future seems bright, and her young, charismatic English teacher, Mr. Beckett, is always quick to admire her writing and talk books with her. But when Bex, or Mr. Beckett, takes things too far and comes on to Marin, she's shocked and horrified. Has she somehow led him on? Was it somehow her fault? When Marin woke up the courage to tell the administration what happened, no one believes her. She's forced to face Bex every day in class, except now he has an axe to grind. But Marin isn't about to back down. She uses the school newspaper to fight back, and she starts a feminist book club at school. She finds allies in the most unexpected people, like, quote, slutty Gray Kendall, who she's always dismissed as just being another lacrosse bro. As things heat up at school and in her personal life, Marin must figure out how to take back the power and write her own rules. Red Hood. You are alone in the woods, seen only by the unblinking yellow moon. Your hands are empty, you are nearly naked, and the wolf is angry. Since her grandmother became her caretaker when she was four years old, Bisu has lived a quiet life in a little house in Suella. She has kept mostly to herself. She's been good. But then comes the night of homecoming, when she finds herself running for her life over roots and between trees, a fury of claws and teeth behind her. A wolf attacks, and she fights back. A new moon rises, and with it questions about the blood in her past and on her hands as she stumbles home, about broken boys and vicious wolves, about girls lost in the woods, frightened but not alone. Full disclosure, in a community that isn't always understanding, an HIV-positive teen must navigate fear, disclosure, and radical self-acceptance when she falls in love and lust for the first time. Simone Garcia Hampton is starting over at a new school, and this time, things will be different. She's making real friends, she's making a name for herself as the student director of Rent, and making a play for Miles, the guy who makes her melt every time he walks into a room. The last thing she wants is for word to get out that she's HIV positive. 
because last time, well, last time things got ugly. Keeping her viral load under control is easy, but keeping her diagnosis under wraps is not so simple. As Simone and Miles starts going out for real, shy kisses escalating to much more, she feels an uneasiness that goes beyond butterflies. She knows she has to tell him that she's positive, especially if sex is a possibility, but she's terrified of how he'll react. And then she finds a note anonymously in her locker. I know you have HIV. You have until Thanksgiving to stop hanging out with Miles, or everyone else will know too. Simone's first instinct is to protect her secret at all costs, but as she gains a deeper understanding of the prejudice and fear in her community, she begins to wonder if the only way to rise above is to face the haters head on. Next up is a duology. We'll be going over the first one, We Set the Dark on Fire. At the Medio School for Girls, distinguished young women are trained for one of two roles in their polarized society. Depending on her specialization, a graduate will one day run a husband's household or raise his children. But both are promised a life of comfort and luxury, far from the frequent political uprisings of the lower class. Daniela Vargas is a, the school's top student, but her bright future depends upon no one discovering her darkest secret, that her pedigree is a lie. Her parents sacrificed everything to obtain forged identification papers so that Danny could rise above her station. Now that her marriage to an important political son is fast approaching, she must keep the truth hidden or be sent back to the fringes of society, where famine and poverty rule supreme. On graduation night, Danny seems to be in the clear, despite the surprises that unfold. But nothing prepares her for the difficult choices she must make, especially when she is asked to spy for a resistance group desperately fighting to bring quality to Medio. Will Danny cling to her privilege that her parents fought to win for her, or to give up everything she's ever strived for in pursuit of a free medetio and a chance at forbidden love. Internment. Rebellions are built on hope. Set in a horrifying near future in the United States, 17-year-old Layla and her parents are forced into an internment camp for Muslim American citizens. With the help of the newly made friends also trapped in the internment camp, her boyfriend on the outside, and an unexpected alliance, Layla begins a journey to fight for freedom, leading a revolution against the internment camp's director and his guards. Heart racing and emotional, internment challenges readers to fight the complicit silence that exists in our society today. Yes, no, maybe so. New York Times bestselling authors Becky Albertalli and Aisha Saeed have crafted a resonated, funny, and memorable story about the power of love and resistance. Yes, Jamie Goldberg is cool with volunteering for his local state Senate candidate, as long as he's behind the scenes. When it comes to speaking to strangers, or, you know, let's face it, speaking to almost anyone, Jamie's a choke artist. There's no way he'd ever knock on doors to ask people for their votes until he meets Maya. No. Maya's having the worst Ramadan ever. Her best friend is too busy to hang out, her summer trip is canceled, and now her parents are separating. Why her mother thinks the solution to her problems is political canvassing with some awkward dude she barely knows is beyond her. Maybe so. Going door to door isn't exactly glamorous, 
but maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. After all, the polls are getting closer, and so are Maya and Jamie. Mastering local activism is one thing. Navigating the cross-cultural romance of the century is another thing entirely. The opposite of okay. Izzy is an aspiring comic, an impoverished orphan, and a slut extraordinaire. Or at least that's what the malicious website flying around the school says. Izzy can try all she wants to laugh it off. After all, her sex life, her terms. But when pictures emerge of her doing the dirty with a politician's son, her life suddenly becomes the center of a national scandal. Izzy's never been ashamed of herself before, and she's not going to start now. But keeping her head up will take everything she has. The Gracier. No one speaks of the Gracier. It's forbidden. In Garner County, girls are told they have the power to lure grown men from their beds to drive women mad with jealousy. They believe their very skin emits a powerful aphrodisiac, the potent essence of youth of a girl on the edge of womanhood. That's why they're banished for their 16th year to release their magic into the wild so they can return purified and ready for marriage. But not all of them will make it home alive. 16-year-old Tierney James dreams of a better life, a society that doesn't pit friend against friend or woman against woman. But as her own grace here draws near, she quickly realizes that it's not just the brutal elements they fear. It's not even the poachers in the woods, men who are waiting for a chance to grab one of the girls in order to make a fortune in the black market. The greatest threat may very well be each other. Sharp with prose and gritty realism, the Gracier examines the complex and somewhat twisted relationship between girls, the women they eventually become, and the difficult decisions they make in between. On the come up, the follow up to Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give. While it takes place in the same world, it's not a sequel, so you can read it without reading The Hate You Give. 16-year-old Brie wants to be one of the greatest rappers of all time, or at least make it out of her neighborhood one day. As the daughter of an underground rap legend who died before he hit big, Brie's got big shoes to fill. But now that her mom has unexpectedly lost her job, food banks and shut-off notices are, much, are as much a part of Brie's life as beats and rhymes. With bills piling up and the homeless shelter staring the family down, Brie no longer just wants to make it. She has to make it. On the come-up is Angie Thomas's homage to hip-hop, the art of that sparked her passion for storytelling and continues to inspire her to, her to this day. It's a story of fighting for your dreams, even when the odds are stacked against you, of the struggle to become who you are and not who everyone expects you to be, and the desperate realities of poor, working-class, black families. These witches don't burn. Hannah's a witch, but not the kind you're thinking of. She's the real deal. She's an elemental with the power to control fire, earth, water, and air. But even though she lives in Salem, Massachusetts, her magic is a secret she has to keep for herself. If she's ever caught using it in front of a reg, aka a non-witch, she could lose it for good. So Hannah spends most of her time avoiding her ex-girlfriend and fellow elemental witch, Veronica, hanging out with her best friend, and working at the fly-by-night cauldron selling candles and crystals to tourists, goths, and local wiccans. But dealing with her ex is the least of Hannah's concern when a terrifying blood ritual interrupts the end-of-school-year bonfire. Evidence of dark magic begins to appear all over Salem, and Hannah's 
sure, it's the work of the deadly blood witch. The issue is her coven is less than convinced, forcing Hannah to team up with the last person she wants to see, her ex, Veronica. While her pair attempt to smoke out the blood witch at a house party, Hannah meets Morgan, a cute new ballerina in town. But trying to date among a supernatural crisis is easier said than done. And Hannah will have to test the limits of her power if she's going to save her coven and get the girl. Especially when the attacks on Salem's witches become deadlier by the day. Slay. By day, 17-year-old Kira Johnson is an honor student, a math tutor, and one of the only black kids at Jefferson Academy. But at home, she joins hundreds of thousands of black gamers who duel worldwide as Nubian personas in the secret multiplayer online role-playing game card game Slay. No one knows Kira is the game's developer, not her friends, her family, or even her boyfriend Malcolm, who believes video games are partially responsible for the, quote, downfall of the black man. When a teen in Kansas City is murdered over a dispute in the Slay world, news of the game reaches mainstream media, and Slay is labeled a racist, exclusionist, violent hub for thugs and criminals. Even worse, an anonymous troll infiltrates infiltrates the game, threatening to sue Kira for anti-white discrimination. Driven to save the only world which she can be herself, Kira must preserve her secret identity and harness what it means to be unapologetically black in a world intimidated by blackness. But can she protect her game without losing herself in the process? Grown. Corey Fields is dead. When Enchanted Jones wakes up with blood on her hands and zero memories, of the previous night, no one, the police, and Corey's fans included, has more questions than she does. All she knows is that this isn't how things are supposed to be. Corey was Enchanted's tickets to stardom. Before there was a dead body, Enchanted was an inspiring singer, struggling with her tight-knit family's recent move to the suburbs while trying to find a place as the lone black girl in high school. But then, legendary R&B artist Corey Fields spots her at an audition, and suddenly, her dream of being a professional singer takes flight. Enchanted is dazzled by Corey's luxurious life, but soon her dreams turn into a nightmare. Behind Corey's charm and star power hides a dark side, one that wants to control her every move with rage and consequences. Except now, he's dead, and the police are at the door. Who killed Corey Fields? All signs point to Enchanted. Pet is here to hunt a monster. Are you brave enough to look? There are no more monsters anymore, or so the children of the city of Lucille are taught. With doting parents and a best friend named Redemption, Jam has grown up with this lesson all of her life. But when she meets Pet, a creature made of horns and colors and claws, who emerges from one of her mother's paintings and drop and a drop of Jam's blood, she must reconsider what she's been told. Pet has come to fight fight and hunt a monster. And the shadow of something grim lurks in Redemption's house. Jam must not must fight not only to protect her best friend, but also to uncover the truth. And the answer to the question, how do you save a world from monsters if no one will admit that they exist? The Poet X. Ziomaro feels unheard and unable to hide in her Harlem neighborhood. Ever since her body grew into curves, she has learned to let her fist and her fierceness do the talking. But Ziomara has plenty to say. 
and she pours all of her frustration and passion onto the pages of a leather notebook, reciting the words to herself like prayers, especially after she catches feelings for a boy in her bio class named Aman, who her family can never know about. With mommy's determination to force her daughter to obey the laws of the church, Ziomara understands that her thoughts are best kept to herself. So when she is invited to her school's slam poetry club, she doesn't know how she could ever attend without mommy finding out, much less speak her words out loud. But still, she cannot stop thinking about performing her poems. Because in the face of a world that may not want to hear her, Ziomara refuses to be silent. Zuri has pride. Brooklyn pride, family pride, and pride of her Afro-Latino roots. But pride might not be enough to save her rapidly gentrifying neighborhood from becoming unrecognizable. When the wealthy Darcy family moves in across the street, Zuri wants nothing to do with their two teenage sons, even as her older sister Jeannet starts to fall for the charming Ainsley. She especially can't stand the judgmental and arrogant Darius. Yet Zuri and Darius are forced to find common ground when their initial dislike shifts into an unexpected understanding. But with four wild sisters pulling her in different directions, cute, cute boy Warren vying for her attention, and the college applications hovering on the horizon, Zuri fights to find her place in Bushwick's changing landscape or lose it all. A timely update of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, the critically acclaimed author skillfully balances cultural identity, class, and gentrification against the heady magic of first love and her vibrant reimagining of this beloved classic. Shout. Best-selling author Lori Hulse Anderson is known for her unflinching way she writes about and advocates for survivors of sexual assault. Now, inspired by her fans and enraged by how little in our culture has changed since her groundbreaking novel Speak was first published 20 years ago, she has written a poetry memoir that is as vulnerable as it is rallying and as timely as it is timeless. In free verse, Hall Anderson shares reflections, rants, and calls to action woven between deeply personal stories from her life that she's never written about before. Searing and soul-searching, this is the most important memoir. This important memoir is a denouncement of our society's failures and a love letter to all the people with the courage to say, me too, and time's up. Whether aloud, online, or only in their own hearts, shout speaks truth to the power in a clear voice when once you heard it it's impossible to ignore that is the end of our feminist reads for today if you have any questions comments or concerns feel free to give us a call at 602-652-3000 or stop in your local branch thank you and have a good day thank you for listening to shelf logic Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.